0: Well, good evening. I want to say a Merry Christmas to you, and so glad you joined us this evening for our uh, Christmas Eve service. Uh, David mentioned earlier that it was going to be a shorter service, but nobody told me, so buckle up. No, just kidding. We'll keep it short for your kids. Tradition. There's something uh, about tradition and Christmas that go hand in hand, isn't there? Often Christmas is filled with a lot of tradition. What are some of your Christmas traditions? One of my favorites, I have many favorites, but I grew up in a family that was very traditional, so we did Christmas the exact same every single year. Uh, It Wasn't always on the same day, but it was always done the same way. And uh, one of our Christmas traditions that I loved growing up was we would have a candlelight dinner. All the lights in the house would go off except for the light that comes from candles. And every place would have, every kid would have their own candles. And we had uh, six kids, so there was a lot of candles around the table. And there's just something about fire and kids, right? It's just a fun time. And uh, it's still one of my favorite traditions we do with our kids still because there's just something about fire and adults. It's just... A good time. So it's one of my favorite. But it reminds me of how in the dark, this one little light can push away so much darkness. And it reminds me of what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. In fact, let's read it out loud together. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And one little candle... Dim as it may be, can push a lot of darkness away. And that's one of my favorite traditions. But you know, there's a a paradox to Christmas and tradition. And the joy of Christmas and tradition. And that is, you know, at Christmas we're supposed to be so happy. But tradition can bring with it some sadness because we've always done Christmas a certain way, or we've always celebrated Christmas on December 24th and 25th. But the tradition of Christmas can also remind us of what we've lost in the last year, can't it? And sometimes Christmas can be hard, because Christmas itself and the things we did, and we did it with those people at that place, and when we lose or experience loss throughout the years, Christmas can be a reminder, not always of what we have, but of what we don't have anymore. Christmas can be difficult because it can remind us of all that has been difficult in the last year, of how our world is not the way our world should be, or maybe our own personal life is not the way our own personal life should be. And maybe for you, this Christmas has been difficult because this Christmas has been a reminder of what's not right, in the world, or what's not right in your own personal world. What's interesting is that nearly 3,000 years ago, about 700 years before the very first Christmas, the nation of Judah was going through some difficult things. And there was this paradox of joy and celebration coming, and yet they were in the midst of deep difficulty and darkness. Their, uh, their situation was unique maybe to ours, but as a nation, the nation of Judah had been attacked uh, by the uh, northern kingdom. If you remember, the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah had split. And so the northern kingdom had come against the southern kingdom of Judah, as well as the Syrians had come against the uh, nation of Israel or Judah. And then on top of that, the Assyrians had already come to destroy the nation of Judah, and they were coming again. Talk about a a nation that was in deep darkness, a nation that was going through uh, pain and the experience of loss and difficulty. In fact, the writer Isaiah kind of uh, summarizes their situation this way. He says, then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness, fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness." This is their situation, and this would be their situation. It was difficult, and it was challenging. And yet, in the midst of their darkest moment, there was still hope. A light was going to come. And so the very next word the writer Isaiah says is this. Nevertheless, this is your situation, and it will become even worse. But nevertheless, There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress, meaning this. No matter what darkness you face, your darkness does not have to be eternal. Your difficulty is not everlasting it will and it can come to an end and for the nation of Judah it would and so he says nevertheless There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress And he continues in the past he that's God humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali But now in the future He will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in the past He humbled and you're like what is Zebulun and Naphtali? It's the northern regions of Israel and when the Assyrians came to destroy Judah, guess where they came from? The north. The first area, the first region that was humbled was this region. But, he says, in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. The Sea of Galilee, Galilee is in the northern part of Israel. And it would be honored, and on top of that, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And here's what's interesting. History tells us, and when I was in Israel, they told me that often it was the northern part of Israel that was infiltrated by the Gentiles. It wasn't always so strongly Jewish. And on top of that, he says not only will that part of Israel be honored, but beyond the Jordan, beyond the borders of Israel. Meaning, those who will be honored will include, will include Gentiles, which is us. And then he says for the people walking in darkness, seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then he begins to describe the joy of this light and what it would bring. And here's what he says. You, God, have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people uh, rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. You have enlarged the nation. See, for many, many years to be part of the people of God, you had to be Jewish. So they thought. But now God's nation will be expanded to what it was always from the beginning. Even in the old covenant, you are not part of the people of God, and the prophets talked about this all the time, unless you came to him by faith. But now, without a birth, birth certificate that said Israelite, you could be part of the people, the family, the nation of God. He has enlarged the nation. And now there's joy. Light has shone on the darkness. And he goes on, 4. As in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. In the days of Midian, this is referring back to the time of Gideon. If you don't remember, Gideon was a, a judge who lived during the time when Israel was being oppressed by the nation of Midian. And Gideon, God raised up Gideon to start and finish a battle against the Midianites with 300 men He defeated 135,000 soldiers of Midian. But, as the writer reminds us, it was not Gideon who defeated them. It was God. You, God, have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Meaning, God is going to do something in the future, though your plight is bleak now, your situation is difficult now, although you're being oppressed now, just as in the days of Midian, God is going to come and do something. He continues to describe this. Every, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. What's he describing? He's describing victory. Because once you have finished the battle, you don't need your garments anymore and you don't need your battle uh, warriors uh, uh, material anymore. You don't need it. You burn it all. The battle is over. God is gonna do something new to take away our oppression. How is he gonna do this? How is he gonna bring this about? The writer Isaiah says this next. Here's how. Four. to us, a child is born. All this would be accomplished, according to Isaiah, by a child. Our oppression would be defeated by a child. Victory would come through a child. And then he goes on, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. The word government literally is the word domination. The dominion. The rule will be on the shoulders of this child, meaning he will have dominion. And then in eight words, he gives us descriptive words that describe for us what this child will be. Put in pairs of two, he says, the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Wonderful counselor, the child on whom dominion the government will be laid on. He will have rule. How will he rule? As a counselor, but not any counselor. He will rule with wisdom and discernment that is wonderful. He will be called mighty God, but he's a child. Yes, but two chapters earlier, Isaiah said in chapter seven, verse 14, his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. For to us a child is born, but he is mighty God, everlasting father. He is eternal, though he is a child born to us. He, his origins are from the days of eternity, the prophet said, meaning he is an eternal being, just as the father is eternal, he who had no beginning and no, no, no end, the child born to us is eternal as well, the uncreated one. And lastly, the prince of peace. The child who will have the government, who will have dominion put on him, the ruler of all things, will bring peace between us and our father, between us and one another, between us and ourselves. He is the prince of peace. Merry Christmas. This is Jesus. This is the one who was to come. The one who has now come and has accomplished all this. Jesus has rule and dominion and authority. Right now, he is ruling as a wonderful counselor, as mighty God, as the everlasting father, the one who brings peace. But Isaiah is not done. He continues, of his greatness, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There is no end. The quantity and quality of his rule and dominion, the quantity and quality of the peace that he will bring is without limits. And he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. And who will accomplish this? The zeal of the Lord. The Lord Almighty will accomplish all this. You see, according to Isaiah, a time was coming and it has now come. God has and God will accomplish his kingdom come. A new day is coming and that new day has already come. So what do I mean when I say that the kingdom is coming? That a new day has already come? That a new day has already arrived? What I mean is Jesus has already come. The prophecy that Isaiah spoke some 700 years later, a child to us was born and his name was Jesus. And he was almighty God. And he was a wonderful counselor. And he is the Prince of Peace. And it is only through him that we can have peace with our Father in heaven. Now I want to encourage you today. I don't know what kind of uh, oppression, what kind of condemnation, what kind of guilt and regret you carry with you. But your heavenly father has already sent his son, Jesus, to break the bar and the rod of oppression on you. To invite you in, to be in the kingdom that he has already established through his son, Jesus. To offer you light and the life eternal that only Christ can bring. If you have never accepted Jesus as your savior, tonight's your night. You would receive him as your savior and your Lord. The kingdom's already here. A new day has already come. You can step into life. But I've also said that God will accomplish his kingdom come. And a day, the new day is yet coming. And this is the paradox of Christmas. That the prophecy has already happened, but it will yet happen the very last words of Scripture that you'll find in the New Testament, Revelation chapter 22, the Apostle John says this. He says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. What Jesus says, John quotes Jesus. He says this, yes, I am coming soon. This is Jesus after he was in a manger. This is Jesus after he died on the cross for our sins. After he conquered the power of our sin by being raised to life. After he had already ascended to the Father's right hand. From heaven at the Father's right hand, Jesus says this, I am coming soon. I will make all things new. And so God has, and God will accomplish his kingdom come because Jesus said the kingdom's already here. When he was here 2,000 years ago. But his kingdom's yet coming. And a new day has come. But it is yet coming. And so we live in the paradox of Christmas. That even though we have the light. Sometimes we live in the shadows of the light. And there's darkness all around us. And we experience loss and pain. Much like the nation of Judah was experiencing loss and pain. And yet in the midst of the darkness, there is still light. So I want to invite you to step in and celebrate the light of Jesus. That at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus has come. And we celebrate that Jesus is still coming. Those walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A new day is coming and is now here. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for what you have done. That in the midst of our darkness, much like the nation of Judah, in the midst of their darkness, you spoke light and life. And I don't know what darkness we face today, each one here. But I pray that this Christmas, tonight, as we celebrate the light of the world coming that we would be filled with the hope even as we still wrestle with the difficulty of this world. Thank you that you have sent Jesus for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. We celebrate your coming and we look forward to your coming. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.